0: Welcome to Locked On Marlins, guys. It is time for some closer talk. Skip Schumacher out there saying that perhaps there won't be a designated ninth inning guy. The Marlins going for the no closer, the zero closer approach. We're going to dig into that with Sean Barrett and work out what that likely means and how the Marlins approach it with their bullpen heading into 2023. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast. I am your host Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you're listening to the pod, hit subscribe. It is your team every day. If you are wondering, there is a YouTube channel. Yes, head over there, hit subscribe. You will see the UK goat back in the house. Serious FaceTime here for the UK goat Sean Barrett. How are we doing, brother? I'm doing well, Peter. So I get I get rules talk, and now I get
1: bullpen talk. When you need excitement, you know who to call.
0: I absolutely do. When we need a hype pod, we need the hype podcast about the closing situation for the Marlins heading into 23. Sean Barrett was my first call and only call because he answers the call every single time. Sean Barrett, one of the biggest stories thus far coming out of early spring, if you can call it that, Uh, Skip Schumacher meeting with the media. And one of the key things that came out was around the bullpen and... The fact that I think the exact quote was around, I'm just going to have my, our best guys face their best guys. That could happen in any inning. Uh, is Skip Schumacher saying that there's not going to be a designated closer? Is that your takeaway from that, or is that just hyperbole at this stage?
1: It's strange, isn't it? Because you hear closer by committee quite mm. a lot, and that tends to be said by, I don't want to say bad teams or bad bullpens, but... <laughs> <laughs> you, if you haven't got a lockdown closer, then that's what you have to say. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, you've got a you've got a list of guys who are going to be fighting for the job, and I think it is a case of, as with previous years, it's a case of one guy is going to rise to the top and get those opportunities. Hopefully, one of the four guys that I think are projected for opportunities can actually do that because. If they can't, then it could be another
0: long season of of woe is me bullpens for the Marlins. No doubt. Let's dig into a few of the guys. Before we do that, though, reminder, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, it's official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. You can visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Dig into those guys later on as well. Um, Yeah, you mentioned it. Closer by committee. It's typically a strategy adopted by... Teams that have weak bullpens or no obvious shutdown closer type, maybe the Marlins will adopt that strategy, but are the Marlins having to do it because they have too many closers? Is that the problem? Have they got too many guys? I mean, too many is probably the wrong way of phrasing it, but as we sit here right now, early early February, early spring, late February, in theory, the Marlins here have multiple guys that, not in theory, they have multiple guys that have closing experience. We haven't said that. I don't think, for a very long time. Um, And perhaps this is the way the Marlins will play it, just using the guys in different situations uh, situations that they like. Clearly they've got some nice lefty options and some nice righty options too, all with closing experience. Like, is this legitimately going to be the way the Marlins approach us now, using, you know, Tanner Scott... um, A.J. Puck, obviously, recently uh, traded for, Matt Barnes um, and Dylan Floro, perhaps the, the guy that we maybe expected uh, that would get this. Is this the way they're going to go and just you, you know cycle between these four guys in, in, in roles and workload management that, that maybe they need to? Yeah, it's interesting
1: because we in the early parts of the season, we were seeing reliever after reliever come off the free agency market. Mm. And, and as it got later, we were seeing guys that the question, the question you asked yourself was, the Marlins couldn't have paid that for that guy why not yeah. yeah and only they've they've ended up trading for some guys um like they did last year um the Marlins for a second year running seem to have used a trade option to to piece together a bullpen that that you're right is is actually quite exciting it's actually mm. quite interesting there are guys there that yeah, if if we can have a genuine competition of of competent believers fighting for that for those saves, then that would that you know you'd, you'd bite your hand off every year for the Marlins to do it the way they've done it on on the cheap, which I think we've spoken about many times. That's how the Marlins are going to have to build a bullpen. Yeah, um, and yeah. So if it is in the early early parts of the year, the four guys battling. obviously you've got two righties, two lefties, so. Yeah. Situationally, that's one way to go. Um, you preferably normally you don't want a lefty as you closer unless he really is a proper elite K-9 guy. Um, but with Puck we've kind of got this a bit of an unknown because yeah. he's he's come from obviously high caliber pick uh when he was drafted, moved into the bullpen now in, in as he's developed. And he had a great year last year. So, Mm. you know, he hasn't got long with Mel before spring starts and the season starts, but absolutely could be an interesting option. For me, Floro, I think that second half, what we saw from him last year after coming back from the injury, we've talked about it a lot. I think he should probably be 1A. I think ultimately all four guys are going to get opportunities in the late innings. Might not be in the saves op, op, you know, situation, but in the setup role or in non save uh, close games in the ninth inning, they're mm-hmm. all going to get an opportunity. And hopefully, one of them, as I said, does sort of rise to the top and, and stakes claim for a job that, you know, having a low ERA in the bullpen is all well and good. Yeah. Doing that in the, in the pressure of the save situation.
0: That's where you really earn your money. You really do, mate. And this is bullpen ERAs in many ways are meaningless. Um, You know, it's nice to have a low one, clearly. But the reality is it's those leverage innings, the high stakes innings where these guys ascend. And that was the problem with Anthony Bass. Brought in as the closer, paid, you know, the multi-year deal. And the ninth inning, it just went wonky every time. Ended up perfect guy in the seventh inning. Half it's in the mind with these guys. And that was the problem with the Bassman. For whatever reason, he just couldn't get it right. So having the experience and the different types of profiles and makeup, I think is really enticing for this Marlins bullpen. It looks completely different. If we think back to last year, going into the year, you know, Flora was, you know, it kind of ascended in some ways. Bender had had a real nice first half in particular when he burst onto the scene, and it did kind of slightly tail away. Um, Bassman had had some real struggles. You look at this bullpen now, and it feels night and day, doesn't it? Like, it really does. Anyway, the names feel different. Whether we get Matt Barnes, whether Matt Barnes is any good, we're going to find that out quickly. And what AJ Puck stuff looks like, we're going to see that quickly, too. The key question with him, uh, and we haven't spoken about this directly, so I'll ask you about it, the trade itself. You know, Bladé for Puck, straight up. What was your initial reaction to that? And as well, like the, clearly, the one challenge with Puck is is the health going to be there? And that is that has been his problem throughout his career. Last year, the health was there, and so were the results. So that clearly is the problem. But overall, Bladé Puck, what was your initial sense on that one? I think it was a it was a fair deal. You're
1: looking at two guys that have had high-caliber talent coming out mm-hmm. of the draft that have, for one reason or another, not promi- not delivered on that promise. Uh, I think with Puck, as you said, the health, I think the stuff's there, I think the talent's there. It's a case of if he, if he can stay on the field. If he can, then we saw last year what he can do, and that will be a super valuable piece for the Marlins, if so. Yes. In Blade, I see a player who... As he gets older, because he he's been old at every level. I think yeah. he always suffered from that that lost time um, over the yeah. COVID year. That really did hurt know. him. If if you made him a year younger, would the Marlins have another year of patience? Maybe. I think the Marlins. He's a casualty of where the Marlins are, which is funny to say because uh, uh, most non-Marlin fans who would hear this, of which I'm not imagining there were many. Would think I'm crazy to say that the Marlins at, at the moment are in a win now, can't wait situation, and that's where yeah. they are. That's why I think Braden was a casualty. Okay. They haven't got another year, or another year and a half for Braden to work it out. He can't sit at the major league level performing the way he did. And if the Marlins could get value for him and get an asset that they needed, because we they needed another. Late in reliever, I think this was a perfect move by Kim, mm. and I think it's it's another transaction win from Kim. If, if Bladey ends up being uh, an everyday hitter uh, of, of good level, then then fine. But I don't judge a trade on how things panned out. I yeah. I judge them on the trade on the day, because yeah. that's all you can trade for. Yeah. Gonna, when Kim made that trade, she's projecting what she's going to get in return, but that's all you can do on the day. I think that was a perfect trade.
0: I do as well. I I did the part live and my reaction, my my feedback on it is, hasn't changed. I felt like it was a stunning deal. And as I've been able to sit and dwell on it, um, I still feel the same way. And it is a win now move. Uh, adding Matt Barnes, Uh, on effectively a one-year deal pretty much is a win now move Um, you know some of these other deals equally win now moves like this is win now season for Kim I've mentioned it many times in this pod like it's contract year for Kim this is win now for her the Marlins can't lose 110 games um, or anything crazy or 100 games or whatever it might be this year like they just can't they can't do that Um, they need to be hovering at 500 ball at worst, to be honest with you, at worst. Like, 500 ball is meaningless in many ways. Like, the postseason is the aim, and anything less than the postseason for the Marlins is a disappointment. It should be seen that way. Like, 500 ball gets you nowhere apart from, like, a bang average draft pick, which doesn't help. Um, So, Kim's making the right moves. I like the moves. And I'd still say, she did mention um, recently as well, like, you don't know. Is the action done for this offseason? Who knows? Like, keep your eyes peeled for that one, guys. Um, What you should also keep your eyes peeled for is FanDuel offers, too. And uh, uh, it is the midway point of the NBA season. Uh, And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line to point scorers, and threes drained. Yes, sir. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine bets for a a chance at a bigger payout with the same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right. So, multiple potential closers. Uh, what we do have, when I think back, is to look at what the Cardinals did last year. I think that's an interesting piece. Like, we can look back historically, how did the Cardinals go about it? And what would what was Skip have seen? Like, what would he... And I think he called that out, too, like, on when he was talking about these, you know, the bullpen in the ninth inning and not having a, a, a specific guy and using best guys in best situations. He did say, like, he alluded to his year, the previous year in, in in St. Louis. And what we did see in St. Louis was, uh, overall, the high level numbers were split saves between Gallegos and Helsley. Um, but when you dig perhaps a little bit deeper, Sean, which is what we did before we hit record here, it feels like actually what happened was Helsley kind of ascended. You are looking for one guy to really ascend and start to show some really elite stuff, um, and, and really take that role. And, I think maybe that's where things are going with Skip, where in the earlier months, guys will be given opportunities, mixing and matching, with a hope and a view that at least one of them ascends to be the guy, rather than just you walk out in out of spring, right opening day, Dylan Floro gets every opportunity, and just you hope he delivers. I think this is going to be a battle that will just go on for a few months. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think you're talking about two pitches for the Cardinals that, if either of them were on the Marlins right now, we would have a closer.
0: <laughs> we
1: would have would a closer. Be, there would be no, we're going to have our best guys go against their best guys. We'd know
0: who our best guy is. And yeah. That's who'd be the closer. Just I on think, that point, just just quickly, do we know who the best guy is right now in the Marlins' bullpen? Um, I don't think we do. I think, no.
1: for me, if, if they hadn't traded for Puck, I would say, yep, yeah, we do. It's Flora.
0: Yeah.
1: I think those two are, uh, a one A and one B as far as options. I think Barnes. We just don't know that season was that first half specifically was was it wasn't good. It was, frankly, it was rubbish. It was. Scott, it was. we don't we don't know because uh, the walks are still there. We need to see yeah. if if he comes into spring and he's still striking guys out at the level that he does and he's keeping that walk below four and a half. Then then we can have a conversation about does he get an opportunity with Save Opportunities. Of course, it's only spring and, and that only shows so much. Yeah. I don't think or I don't see a scenario where one of these guys has so good of a spring training that we get a pre-opening day, there's our closer. I think you're right. I think it is a case of we're going to go through most of April, I would imagine, before we get to a scenario where we go, ah, there we go. It's Flora's job or it's Puck's job. Um, But for me personally, I like the idea of a set closer. Mm. I like the guy knowing. I do as well. As the game's going along, he's thinking this is a save opportunity. Yeah. And he's ready.
0: Yeah.
1: Rather than just getting a phone call and you've got four guys sat on a bed. Not four guys, because presumably one or two of them might have been used unless Sandy's gone eight. You've got a couple of guys going, am I getting the call? Is it me today? Is it mm. not me? I don't like that uncertainty. I want a guy knowing this is my save. This is my job.
0: I'm going to go and do it. Yeah. It makes total sense, doesn't it? Like uh, half of the battle is in the mind because we've seen that with Anthony Bass. He can pitch perfectly fine in the seventh and the ninth. They're the toughest outs. And you 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 need to prepare mentally for those outs. And so knowing that it's going to be a close game, and listen, the Marlins games, they're all going to be close. If the Marlins, you know, every day you're going to think there's a save opportunity coming, probably, because there'll be, you know, one-run games galore, probably. Um, And perhaps this is it for the Fish. Like, they played so many close games last year, which is why they needed to really bolster up this leverage pen and give themselves options, because they will be pitching a lot of, you know, the one-run wins and losses. You know, there was a lot of them. Um, but I'm with you, mate, just if you know the role or that there's a high propensity that you'll need to be pitching in that inning, that can really help you to prepare and be mentally right, ready to rock and roll, go out there with a pitch clock, um, you know, facing into that, you got to work a little bit quicker, you know, the heart's beating a little bit faster. I think that that helps talk to me though, about what I think is also one of the biggest storylines, mate, of, of early spring or pre camp, let's call it that. Um, For me, it has been the body and the personality coming out of Sixto Sanchez uh, on social media. Sixto Sanchez looks to be fully back, like the Marlins are all over Sixto. He's, in every video, playing, joking, but he is looking phenomenal, I'm not going to lie. So, listen, if that shoulder, if they can work it back, mate, Sixto Sanchez, I think there's a decent shot where he could be contributing to the major league level in 2023 potentially at the bullpen, which has always been a discussion point anyway. He clearly adds more value into the rotation if the shoulder is is right. But I don't think we should rule him out of being in the bullpen if the Marlins are in it in 23. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. I
1: mean, the Marlins, for, for a long time, anytime they had a good arm, they thought about extending them, in, it, them into the starting rotation. I'm thinking about Brad Hand, who then went on after. They, oh, is he a starter? Is he a reliever? Is he a starter? Is he a reliever? Moved yeah. on for the Marlins because, well, they used him so much that his arbitration clock started to tick and they had to move him on. Yeah. Went on to be an absolute studs closer.
0: Yeah.
1: It is that case of, yes, he would have more value as a starting pitcher, obviously. Mm. But if he, the difference between a league average or slightly above league average starter. And a lockdown closer. I mean, yes, the starter has more value, but for the Marlins, where they are right now, where they're they're moving in and they're trading starting pitching to fill other holes. This isn't a trade, but you are still taking a starting pitcher asset and moving it into a hole. Mm. For me, 6 0 the the body he's lost a lot of
0: weight.
1: Yeah, he he's looking a lot better. <laughs> he's looking a bit weak with it, personally, I would say. Yeah. um i think he might have lost a lot of weight but yeah. not not it's got anything. the muscle there right built the body properly <laughs> that's me saying that um <laughs> what i would say is what you said about him being in every single video mm-hmm. that to me is the key point mm-hmm. because for For a long time, he has been persona non grata. We've not seen him. He's he's been nowhere to be seen. And all of a sudden, the Marlins are flashing him here and they're flashing him there. They are obviously trying to build up that that resume back to the fans of, you know, this is a guy that we want you to see. This is a guy we want you to trust and we want you to get behind. Um, They wouldn't do that if they thought he was shot.
0: No doubt, there's an absolute campaign going on right now from the Marlins and you know whatever just a. the PR department, the social media crew, like Sixto has been everywhere. Finally, because he's looking right, kind of. I haven't seen him throwing anything yet, but, you know, body-wise, he looks right, he looks healthy, looks thin. They're pumping the life out of it. So, yeah, it's an intriguing wrinkle, Sixto and the Marlins. It will always be an intriguing story. Um, We just, as fans... We just hope that he can work his way back. He said he was throwing at 88 miles an hour, about 85%. Um, you know, we just hope that he can work his way back. The Marlins will be super cautious with him, irrespective of what happens, whether he pitches anything in spring or not. Doesn't matter. But it's great to just see him looking healthy, having fun with the guys. Uh it was a very funny clip the other day that was out where Sixto's in there, Eddie Cabrera's in there, Uri Perez. I don't think there's Three more different body types, all in one video. Than that that video, it was very very funny. Yuri Perez, just kind of long and thin. Sixto being sixto, and then Eddie Cabrera sipping on what looked to be a protein juice or something. I don't know what he was, but he was looking. Uh, he was looking. You know, he was. He wasn't quite in mid season form or best shape of his life. Let's say so. You know, it's, it was a very funny clip. But overall, I think you know, in terms of the bullpen. Uh, It looks an intriguing one. There's some names there. There's some experience in there. And that was experience that was badly missing last year, really badly missing, and really hurt the Marlins early in the year when they lost so many one-run games. It was ridiculous. And a lot of them were linked to the bullpen misfiring. And so I like what they've done. I like the trade to get Puck in there. I'm really interested to see what Puck's role becomes, to be honest with you. The thing to call out is more longer-term, thinking ahead, Sean, Dylan Floro expiring deal, maybe they can clearly extend him if they wish, but expiring deal on Floro, theoretically, probably expiring deal as well on Matt Barnes. So this bullpen isn't one for the foreseeable. It's definitely here for a good chunk of 23. We'll see how much, but, you know, I think with the moves the Marlins have made, particularly with Puck, they're thinking about the future too, in terms of who could potentially step into this role long-term and fix one of the major weaknesses of this Marlins team that's been there for many years, um, which I think is only a good thing. What about you?
1: Yeah, it is a case of with Floro, it, it, the Marlins really will have to be in a good place come the trade deadline for him to to, to remain on the team. Yeah. I think you're right with Puck. I think for, for me, Puck, for one reason and one reason only, has a a bit of it other than the lefty, is the fact that, if he were to earn saves this year, the arbitration number that he's going to be earning soon would, would be going up and up and up. Mm. With with Floro and Barnes, you've got two guys, both righties, who are expiring deals. Having saves isn't going to cost the Marlins any money on the assumption, as I have, that they're not going to extend him. Great point. If if the Marlins are out of it, then then again, you've got two guys on expiring deals, which are valuable to teams and approaching the playoffs, yeah of showing that they can do it in the ninth inning, that that would have trade value through the roof as well. I think that's that's now as we've spoken it through, that's that's where I'd lean for the two main guys for the Marlins.
0: Makes sense. Final question then, who's gonna be the Marlins saves leader when it's all said and done in twenty
1: three? Razaban. No, um Flor-
0: <laughs> who are you saying? Floro. Floro. Yeah. Most save opportunities, Floro as well, I assume, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Just just thinking about the long man role. It's interesting. Um, not because I've I've gone flipped it on his head here from saves leader to long man role. But one guy that I'm intrigued about is is Braxton Garrett and the role that he plays. Um, the reason being, I do think he's he could be a real nice pen piece as well. Like I do, I think there's there's the stuff I think could really play out of the pen um if needed and you know it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't crack the opening day roster and starts in AAA clearly i think the marlins would prefer trevor rogers to regain his form and thus you know braxton drops down to AAA and then all of a sudden it's a race of like where do the other developing guys reach like does Uri perez just become next man up then cuz he lights it up in spring and you know is is ready to go Thus, the Marlins then have to start making decisions about do we just want our best guys in this team? And I think the record will determine what happens. But, you know, as things tick along, you know, when they're in it, um, it wouldn't shock me to see Braxton Garrett in the pen either. I think he could actually be a nice piece there too. Um, Going back to saves leader, I'm with you. I think Flora will have the most save opportunities in the first half, but it wouldn't shock me by the end um, of uh, of the year that it isn't Flora that has... Overall, the most save opportunities for the fish. The most likely, in my opinion, is either Puck or Tanner Scott. I was high on, before the Puck trade, I was really high on Scott, to be honest with you. To your point, though, Sean, it comes down to, is the command there, the control there, sorry, you know, can we get the walks down? You know, an off-season with with Mel Stottermeyer, um, to me, I think, is is going to be intriguing to see what Tanner Scott can do. But overall, sounds like right now they've got many more options than they've had before. If one or two guys really ascend, it's going to be a great situation for the Marlins. They've got guys in expiring deals, so you know if things go sideways, there's a way to cash in on those. So uh, without really overly harming what the future may look like if indeed they continue with Scott and and Puck. So as a bullpen, it's looking in great shape versus where it has been. I think we should be excited about that. Um, And we haven't said that about a bullpen for a long time. A long time. So with that being said... Uh, We're going to bid you farewell. Thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. Thank you to Sean Barrett, UK GOAT, on hopping on, talking about bullpens. After talking about rules yesterday, I really have given him the hottest of topics. Uh, Guys, this is a daily podcast. So the good news is I'll be back tomorrow, and I'll see you then.